taken from the book of Ruth, which can be found on page 411 of the Pew Bibles. Ruth, chapter 1 and beginning at verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they'd lived there about ten years, both Marlon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sarahs. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, as we begin our few weeks' journey through this book, inspired by you, caused to be written by you, and given to us for our journey, Lord, would you open our ears, would you open our hearts, would you help us to see how you, the same God who is at work in the life of Naomi and Ruth and the others, is the same God, Lord, who we can know and can trust to be at work for your good purposes in our lives. Would you help us to enter into this story as it were, to see how you are the same faithful God who loves to bring redemption. Help us to be open to what you're saying to us. Through this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's quite often said that life is like a journey. And uh, there's good reasons for that, I think. Uh, It's not a journey that we necessarily choose to set out on. It's a journey of life that someone else uh, gives to us. Uh, We know what it's like making journeys, making decisions, lefts and right turns, for trying to follow good directions and instructions, trying to get to where we want to be going, picking people up along the way, saying goodbye to others as we make our way along life's journey. We, uh, our most regular journey is down to Devon uh, on holidays, uh, down to the caravan. I do all the driving, not because I'm a good driver, but because I'm a terrible passenger. <laughs> Ruth is a journey as well. The book of Ruth is a journey in two senses of the word. There's a geographical journey that we've uh, heard the first part of this morning as this family makes their way from uh, Bethlehem in Israel, part of God's people, to the land of Moab. In fact, there's a a map up on the screen. You may not be able to see it in detail, but in the middle of that blue blob is the Dead Sea. Uh, On the top left-hand corner, Bethlehem, just south of Jerusalem. And if you can see, the red line marks the journey over the top, the north of the Dead Sea, down into the land of Moab on the other side. So there is a geographical journey in the book of Ruth. But there's also very much a spiritual journey as well. And I think the spiritual journey 
is actually, first and foremost, Naomi's. Now, we call this the Book of Ruth, and it's always been known as the Book of Ruth, and Ruth is one of the two big heroes of the story. Uh, It's not a spoiler to say that between Ruth and another person that we'll meet later called Boaz, uh, that between them, they point us forward to Jesus through their faithfulness and through their act of redemption. So clearly, Ruth and Boaz are going to be key in this story. But the person who actually makes the biggest journey, both geographically and spiritually, is actually Naomi. And we're going to see that over the next uh, seven weeks that we're looking at this. And it's Naomi's journey, actually, which is the one which will probably resonate the most with us. It's Naomi who has to navigate all of life's ups and downs. It's Naomi that has to try and work out where is God in this when things really start to fall apart for her. And it's Naomi who needs God's redemption, God's action in her life to bring her back to the place where she needs to be. So I really hope that you'll come with me on this journey over the next seven weeks I'm hoping that most of the home groups, not all, don't worry, you can do it uh, yourself as well, but the home groups will uh, follow this through mostly. Uh, And if you're not in a home group or your home group isn't doing it, then you can just still use the notes as well. I'm sorry, it's exciting. All of the printed copies have gone between the morning and the afternoon service. Uh, You can still get it on the website and we can still print copies of the notes for you. Just let Susie know, you can pick them up during the week. But do come with me on this journey as we go with Naomi, not only geographically but spiritually as well. And we'll see as we go the same God whose redemptive love and grace turns Naomi's situation around is the same God whose redemptive love and grace turns our situations around as well. Two brief points that I just want to make uh, for us this morning from those opening few verses. And you might have thought, well, that seems like a strange place to leave it. We're just kicking off this uh, new series and Uh, I'm obviously very excited about it. But so far, all that we've had in the story is sadness, loss, grief. And I actually think it's really good to pause there, to leave it a little bit in the tension, because it's always easy to rush through to the moment where things get turned around, where God, as it were, steps in and brings the right people alongside Naomi to redeem her situation, to save her life, really. But actually, as you go through life's journey, we don't always get to rush. We don't always get to skip ahead through the times when life actually really is quite hard. You might be in that situation at the moment. I've no doubt you've been in those situations. As a Christian, you may even have been there praying and asking God, How long, O Lord? As David cried out in the psalm. How long until I get to the place that you've promised? How long until I see your power at work to change this situation? I really like sometimes pausing at these moments and acknowledging that the Bible is honest about the fact that life sometimes is really, really hard. And so the first point I want to make is all about departing. Now, Israel at the time was the land under the rule of the judges. This is before the kings of Israel. 
And if you have a Bible there and you've got it open, uh, or you can do this later if you want to when you uh, read it again at home, if you just look back one page to the end of the previous book, you'll see that this comes straight after the book of Judges, which tells the history of God's people under the rule of the judges before they got the kings. And it's just that last verse that I want to highlight for you. The end of the book of Judges says this, In those days Israel had no king, everyone did as they saw fit. It was an interesting time in the history of God's people. The judges had been sent by God to rule them, but people were doing what they saw fit. They weren't always listening to God's good rule and instruction for their life. And it's in that context that we encounter the famine in the land. This couple, Naomi and Elimelech, live in Israel. They're part of God's people. They live in Bethlehem, just south of Jerusalem. And twice, just in those opening verses, we're told that they live in Bethlehem. I think that's deliberate. Because the context that we're introduced to is one of famine. But Bethlehem, if you know what that means, means house of bread. And so it's deliberate, I think, that it's highlighted this contrast. They live in a place called house of bread, and yet they're experiencing the challenge of famine in the land. And so they make the decision to depart, to leave, to go to Moab. They've heard that there's provision in this other country, so they take the decision to leave Israel, to leave Bethlehem, and to make this uh, journey of uh, about 50 miles or so into Moab. That's interesting because we're not told whether this was the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. Often I think we want the Bible to be absolutely black and white on every single possible question that we could face. But of course, most of life's decisions aren't simple black and white, yes or no, two, choice, uh, two options, choices. I think... From my perspective, I think the Bible is hinting that they're departing out of God's provision to a place that they weren't meant to be going to. That's my take on it. That actually, if they'd stayed and trusted God, as we'll see, the famine is turned around and God does provide for the land. But it's not put there in black and white. You can't be absolutely definite about that either way. But they do what was right in their eyes, did what they saw was fit, And they make this journey to Moab. They depart. They leave God's people. Now, we make journeys and we move and we relocate. But in those days, it was such a big thing to leave behind your people. To leave behind the land that God had promised to them. The land that actually uh, they'd had to wait centuries to come. God's people had been brought out of Egypt. The famous stories of crossing the Red Sea and making their way and surviving their time wandering in the desert. And then getting into the land and all the challenges that that presented to them. The ups and downs of that journey. The history of their people. In order to have this land that God had promised to them. And now when trouble comes, they decide to leave. They're departing. As I say, we're not told necessarily if that was the right or the wrong thing to do. Wouldn't it be lovely to have that? But actually, life is more complicated than that. Clearly, they were making decisions to try and provide for their family, and that's a good thing. Maybe there's a challenge there that they left the place of provision. They left the place of promise and decided to do what was right in their eyes rather than trusting God to provide. Sometimes I think 
we're also tempted to depart. Not geographically. Nothing wrong with moving around the world. As Christians under the new covenant, the new promise of Jesus, the whole world is a place for us to live. The good news of Jesus goes out to the whole world and the kingdom of God is not geographically located. It is everywhere that people go who are living in service of the king. So for us to move and to depart is not a question of geography. But there is also a temptation for us in our hearts to chase after those things that we think will provide for us better than the God who made us and loved us. To put our trust in something other than the God who created us. There is always a temptation to give the place which should be God's to other things. Not necessarily bad things, sometimes really good things, but to try and give them the place that God alone should have as our source of hope and security and promise. Naomi and Elimelech depart with their family, both geographically and perhaps to some extent spiritually. And it's a reminder to us to make sure that wherever we go, whatever twists and turns our journey takes, whatever our destination or our stopovers along the way, that in our heart we don't depart from the God who loves us. And the problem for uh, Naomi and Elimelech is that having departed and having moved away in the search of better material provision, things actually go from bad to worse. We don't get an awful lot of detail. But first of all, Elimelech himself dies. But they have had two sons. And in the days when your family was your uh, support, your family was your provision, your family was your uh, security for old age, there was no benefits or other sort of forms of uh, security in that sense. It was your offspring and your family which provided for you. At least Naomi had her two sons. As sad as it was to lose Elimelech, at least she had these two sons. And those two sons had married Moabite women so there was a possibility of the family line continuing but then after another period of time with no children born both of Naomi's sons also die leaves Naomi as a foreigner and a widow at a time when that was very very hard with two Moabite daughters in law, neither of whom had yet had any children. Now that's actually where our reading ends for the day. Feels like a sort of difficult point to leave it, doesn't it? And I'm reminded of one of my lecturers at Bible College who said, unless you can stand up and preach good news, preach the gospel, don't stand up at all. And I'm finding it quite hard at the end of Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, to say, well, where is the good news? Where is the gospel hope in the beginning of Ruth's story? Well, the good news is, I suppose, that the story doesn't end there. But it's good, I think, as I said earlier, sometimes just to pause. Because we often ask that question in real life. And real life is not like a sermon, you might be pleased to know. Uh, (laughs) We can't always choose where to find the good news. Oftentimes in life, it just is hard. 
things don't go the way that we plan, the journey doesn't take the direction that we hoped it would take. Things don't go in the way that we want them to all of the time. You can't just speed along to the happy ending. So there is good news, and the good news is that it's not the end of the story. And the good news for us, because of the good news of Jesus, is that nothing in this life is ever the end of the story as well. There's always hope, even into eternity, even beyond death, because of what Jesus has done. The story doesn't end there. Ruth doesn't end at the end of verse 5, because God is faithful and redemptive. And no matter how hard life is, and I know that sometimes it can feel like life has reached a point of being hopeless, but because of Jesus, our story doesn't end there either. Just like Ruth has these pages that we're going to get to and see how God is faithful, our life, when we're in Jesus, always has more pages. In fact, when we're in Jesus, our story never ends. That's hard. And I know it's hard when you're feeling like you're stuck in the time when you you just can't see what God is doing. And I think there's some good news for us here at that point in Ruth as well. The Bible speaks into those situations. It doesn't just skip to the happy ending. It acknowledges what life is like in a broken world. And even if you and I ourselves are not in a particularly difficult time at the moment, we'll certainly know people who are. We may well face those times in the future. We may well have faced those times in the past. And the story of Ruth helps us to see that God meets us and reaches us and it is never hopeless when we are found in him. This story is going to go on with a God who can turn every situation around. So please stick with the story. Don't get stuck at the end of verse 5. And don't get stuck in life at those times when a situation feels helpless. Wherever you are in life, wherever you are along your journey, it's never too late to turn to God. We're going to see that just next week, I promise, in the book of Ruth. So come back. No matter how lost you feel or how hopeless certain situations seem, God has the power to redeem us and somehow to work all things for the good of those who love him. We'll see that in Naomi's story. You may have testimonies to share from your own story. And one day all of those of us who are in Jesus and have received this gift of new life will have eternity to sing songs and tell stories of how God's redemptive power, his saving grace, has lifted us even out of the depths to this place of eternal hope and joy and peace. Come with me on this journey with Naomi. Let the Bible speak and minister to you if you're feeling like you're in one of those situations. And let's see how the same God who turned Naomi's life around is still turning lives around today. So let's pray.
Heavenly Father, thank you that the Bible speaks so honestly about the realities of life. Lord, I want to pray particularly for people here who have experienced something like Naomi, of that kind of loss, the heartbreak that we feel, the hopelessness sometimes, it seems, in our situation. Father, thank you that this was not the end of her story. And when we're in you, it is never the end of our story either. Father, thank you that you want to minister to us along all of life's journeys. You're not just waiting for us at the end, but you're wanting to walk with us, as we heard last week, through all of life's green pastures and also life's dark valleys. Lord, will you help us to be people who are sensitive to those around us, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. But through it all, to live and to speak of the hope that we can have that in you it is not the end of the story. That in you, like Naomi, our life and even our eternity can be turned around, redeemed, rescued, transformed and filled with hope and light and joy. So Lord, wherever we are this morning, whether we're, we're celebrating and anticipating and full of expectation or whether we're struggling and finding it really hard, Father, thank you that you are with us on life's journey. Thank you that you are the perfect accompaniment. You are our good shepherd. You are the one who has died to give us life. You are the God of grace and redemption. Would you minister to each of us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. On the point that wherever we are on the journey of life, and as Tom said, it's not always straightforward, it's not always easy, but for all the joys and for all the sorrows, for all of this we have Jesus. Please stand. <laughs>